the enemy of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven live stream. Uh, someone say yes in the chat room. Um, I'm seeing a dead stream on my end. Can you guys hear me in the chat? Hello, hello. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Well, good afternoon, Crow. In the chat on YouTube's got it. We're all good. So, anyhow, welcome everyone. Sorry for the delay. Of course, YouTube something was going wrong until Rose posted the magical link and I clicked on it. Um, welcome everyone. Welcome Jason. And sorry D Live for having to put up with all that nonsense. <laughs> all right. Well, on with the show, as it were. Yeah. So um, I actually reached out to our friend Alex Michael, who most of you know is Flat Earth Man or Conspiracy Guru, who actually wrote the theme music for Crow Triple Seven Radio to find out how they're holding up over there in Spain and they're having a rough go of it. Um, he was telling me his wife's been hassled and the whole mask thing and they're just extremely locked down. But you know what? You can't get that guy down. He's still got the best attitude in face of all this. Um, but how's it going? Do, are other people hearing about that kind of thing going on in other countries, Canada and so on? I'd be interested to know, get a first-hand view. Uh, I know certainly that Italy and Spain uh, have had a rough go of it, but we're also seeing, whether it's staged or not, um, supposedly the Italian government is starting to push back, but who knows what that's about. Right. Um, well, since we have a, a good-sized chat again, let's... Uh, Rocky wants to talk about some big big uh, beer bug information. Let him call in. I can do that. Um, Go ahead, open the line. Yeah, let me um, let me do that. Yeah, but have uh, some things to talk about. If everyone, yeah, go ahead. And and if everyone wants to uh, give us their reports, because a lot of things are opening up right now, and uh, I definitely uh, saw people going out and living slightly more normal lives here in Louisiana. But one second, while I get this set up. Well, I'll talk for a second because this morning I went on to an interview with the younger community, uh, what people might term the millennials. I'm not crazy about that moniker, uh, but they're definitely the younger generation. I was well received there, and I think I'm going to try to do more of that. I think it's critical that we try to bridge gaps and come together, and there's always, since the internet started, there's been a larger divide between the younger crowd and the older crowd. And a lot of that has to do with the content we're interested in. But you can go see, uh, what is it, Rose? It's Cha, Cha Money, C-H-A Money on DLive. Uh, so that would be DLive.tv, uh, Cha Live, I would believe, or Cha Money. I think that's correct. Rose can probably post it. Um, but I was well received and it went very well. And everyone was interested and engaged and it just kind of felt like we were building a bridge to a demographic for a terrible marketing term that normally might not be exposed but here's the funny thing uh, the guy who runs Chaw Money had seen the lunar wave video and it turns out a member of my family was being shown the lunar wave and he told the guy you know that's my uncle <laughs> of all things so that's how all that happened but it was pretty cool and I think we should uh should make an effort to reach out to the young folks. Well, they they will be here after us, so it's probably a good idea. So anyway, <clears throat> let me add him on here. Let me write this in the chat here. Actually, Chaw Money on it is. Hello, this is Rocky. Hello, Rocky. You're on live Hello, in the Dave. air on Crow Triple Seven live stream. 
Well, hello. Nice to talk to you. Hello, Crow. Hello, Rose. Hello, Sue. Hello, everyone. Um, my son's friend, uh, they're, they're in their 20s, his grandfather recently fell, and he died from his fall. The Center County coroner paid their family $8,000 to put on his death certificate that it was from the coronavirus. Well, you know... That's one hell of a strategy, Rocky, and we've heard this from other people, not just that, but even being admitted to a hospital, there's a big paycheck, or if they can falsify a death certificate like that. But here's the problem. We can see what the average deaths are in a year um, and have an idea of it, and that's what a lot of these doctors are getting booted off YouTube for simply pointing out um, that the death rate has not climbed, and it appears that basically the numbers being derived or from falsification, like you're pointing out firsthand. But anyhow, thanks for having the nuggets to call in and point that out. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, everyone should know that. But it, it, and I tell you, the most frustrating thing is, like, I, I can sit there and tell that to my mother, and she it just, it, like, it's, it's, it's like a deer in headlights. It's terrible that other people just can't see it. But I'm glad, I'm glad that you guys are doing what you're doing. I won't take up any more of your time, and I just wanted to get that information out there. And so thank you for letting me call in. I greatly appreciate it. Well, we appreciate uh, you, brother. Yeah, right, thank you so on. much. Have Thanks, a good night. Later. Yeah, Rocky's been with us quite a while. Oh, God knows. Um, yes. Yeah, for a long, long time I've communicated with Rocky. So thank you for that, Rocky. And it goes to show... Um, I was sent a bunch of videos, what was it, two days ago of people making the rounds at morgues again and showing them absolutely empty. And I don't mean just kind of empty, like not a car in sight, nothing going on at these places. And so it's a simple thing uh, that you can point out to people. When you're going to shut down the world at this level, put this many millions of people out of work, kill Lord knows how many small businesses, wouldn't you expect to see bodies stacking up to the ceiling <laughs> and it, it's just not there um, to, to see this kind of extreme stop the world. Um, there it is. If the world ever had been spinning, it wouldn't be right now. But we kind of know that it wasn't before either. But that's crazy, Jason. There's a firsthand account where they're actually, you know, and that goes to show how this news works. So what's going on here? If we accept all that at face value is the, the family has paid a few thousand bucks to go along with a COVID label on the death certificate. But what that means is the family knows it's not true, right? They know that. But it's the money. It's the numbers game, isn't it? So where 100,000 people have no idea because, unfortunately, their brain's tied to the TV or something, um, 8,000 people do know. And so it's that kind of 80-20 numbers game, isn't it, Jason, that we always talk about? Always, always, always. And, you know, most folks, unfortunately, just like your average folks, they're going to fall for this. They're going to think it's all what what they're being told. And that's uh, very sad, very sad indeed. Well, we should talk a little bit um, about the interview I did with Chaw Money. Um, these are people in their 20s, um, so it's definitely a younger generation and they were very into um, everything I was saying. And even some of the things I said that maybe didn't jive with the things they were interested in. They're interested in space and other things that have to do with space where I have a pretty different view. Uh, but it was well received. And maybe this is a way to open the door so that us people that are not quite as old as dirt could talk to that next generation. Because the truth is... Um, us folks who are old enough to remember the analog age, who could offer so much to the younger generation, 
there's not a lot of opportunity right now to, to share that information. The younger generation has no idea what we gave up when we left the analog age. They have no idea um, the, the idea of freedoms that existed in the 70s or even the 80s for that matter when the fake party was um, so maybe this is a way we can utilize podcasting because like Rose went over and donated some of the DLive currency, whatever it is, um, and quite a bit of it. And it was a big deal to the younger generation because this is how they measure things. Um, you know, how many views are there? This is success. in their generation. That's the, the measure of success, which the older people never really bought into 100% because we remember the analog age. But the point was it was all appreciated. And as we got done the host of the show started saying we've got to get crow on this other site it was apparently a news kind of site that they all follow and i thought to myself you know what if i get a reach out from from there i will absolutely take it um and and i will and you know those people that have followed have noticed it's not very often i go on the big places like i did coast to coast i didn't really want to but i did i'm way more interested in the grassroots places and the real, what I consider to be the real people moving in a real movement, um, because those are the minds that are truly seeking, and those are the minds that are going to share with their friends. Um, you can go on coast to coast, and sure, thousands of people see you, and you know people will come check you out for a day or two or three, but I don't think the reach is actually as significant in the long run. And I know you probably have different ideas on that, Jason. No, I don't have different ideas on that. Way back when, uh, probably all the way through the, the 2000s before the teens hit in, Coast to Coast was a big deal. Uh, it was a really big deal back when Art Bell was still running it, of course, because his something about him just had a personality for radio and people loved him his his uh bell gab i think they call it the forum it's still going in fact even though he the the fellow passed away maybe two years ago already but anyway yeah it used to be a big deal i remember i used to listen to it that was something i listened to way back when late 90s early 2000s and if you went on coast to coast your website would probably get crashed from the zillions of people trying to hit it, and you certainly would sell whatever you happen to be pushing, a book usually, but sometimes it was other stuff. And it just seems like with the advent of podcasting, those days are long over. I mean, maybe people still listen to it in larger numbers, but not to the extent that there are dedicated Coast to Coast fans. Like, if you're on Coast to Coast, you were the thing, and now it seems like, meh, whatever. Hey. Here's the thing about the coast to coast. You know, you'd been urging me to do it, and we knew we. Um, one of the producers there, um, I, is it Lisa Lyon? Lisa Lyon. Uh, I don't yeah, it was very nice, actually. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, very nice lady. She knew my work and talked with me. Uh, great to meet her. Um, we knew that she would be happy to have us on, and they and actually, or um, not. What's the host? George Nori asked me back um, at the end of the interview. But here's the benefit of the interview I did on coast to coast. When you're put in a situation like that and you cover the things we cover, you really have to moderate um, to who you're speaking to or you're just going to hear mind snapshot. The outcome of that interview was that it ended up being the perfect interview for those people just starting out because not only did it have the patina of coast to coast um, and they recognized George Norrie when I came down the line like JFK came up and I'm <laughs> saying that's fake all day. Um, but George Norrie's response, and to some degree, I think George Norrie does this so much, he's going through the motions. At some points, it, it didn't even seem like he was really listening to what I was saying. He was just going off a script. But 
it was such kind of a mellow talk where I was actually given the leeway to steer most of that conversation. And as Rose pointed out, it became a good tool to hand around. The problem is with going on coast to coast, we can't repost that content uh, without getting copyrighted all over. So you, you end up having to hand around a link. And I know everybody's thinking other things, but we won't mention that here. Um, we did allow access to just membership. Um, but you, the point is you can't upload it to YouTube and do these other things. But you can, in fact, hand around the Coast to Coast link. Um, and I'd say for two or three months after that, I got a lot of people who were just getting on the road, just starting to realize that uh, the sauce on the stove smells a little funny. And uh, that's where that particular interview maybe gave us some dividends. Right. And uh, hopefully we did get some new people from that. I really hope so. Uh, I don't know what else is even on the scope of something like a coast to coast, like with the amount of people, except maybe Alex Jones, but that's not any place we want to go to, uh, nor would he be very appreciative of what we discuss, but there aren't any giant shows like that anymore. I, I don't think is, is, is the days of massive radio gone the way of the dodo. Is that just well, a I thing think, at this point? Yeah, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're already openly making fun of network TV as going the way of the dodo bird um, on things like, what was it? it was, I don't know if it was family. It was one of these kind of mainstreamy, what they think is edgy, which I don't accept. Um, but the point is they're making fun that network TV is about to go the way of the dodo bird. And the reason for that is because they can control content with streaming. And not only can they control content with streaming, uh, there will be an absolute fee for everything. Um, so what it's going to come down to here shortly is you can search almost anything you want to watch with a caveat. There will be certain things like, when's the last time? And I'll ask this question openly to the chat room. Let's get your input here. I noticed that all the Disney stuff, when I was young, my parents took me to 101 Dalmatians. And I remember being disturbed by it. I have not seen that movie since I was a child. But I remember things that were suggested we're going to be done to the puppies. It bothered me as a child a lot, actually. But I noticed that never gets replayed. And so I'll ask the chat room, uh, short of buying the DVD, has anyone seen 101 Dalmatians played anywhere? The point I'm making here is when I was young, that was in the theaters for any family that wanted to go. But it's an example because now it never gets replayed. I think I have seen it for sale. And by the way, that makes me wonder if it was edited um, to remove some of the things that were put in that film. But this is the point. When we get to streaming, only the approved content. Like, remember that movie Revolver, Jason, that I was saying um, had so much to say? Yep. That's nowhere in the TV listings. I The last time I saw it was about, oh, I don't know, better part of a year ago. It was listed on some premium channel that... I'm not paying for. So I just kept an eye. It's completely out of the listings now. Um, and I know why. This is the thing. Um, the other day, I was going through the TV listings because now they're putting episode numbers on like Gilligan's Island and the Brady's Bunch. And I keep noticing they change. So you don't... Like I know Gilligan's Island has something like 99 episodes, but the numbering they've assigned to it is like 1075. So I'm assuming that's probably episode 75. I haven't checked to, to see if my assumption is right. But here's the point. You'll see four of them in a row, and it'll go 1075, 1076, and then it'll go 1078. 
and I'll think, well, what's going on there? Why are they removing that one? Um, and I think what it is is because they're starting to, in fact, pay attention to episodes. Like there's one with the Brady Bunch where someone gets the measles, and someone told me they were removing that because nobody gave a damn about the measles back in the day, and it undermined the current idea they're trying to push where you can die if a germ touches you. Um, I'm just saying, we're, we're headed to a time where everything's going to stream, but the, the problem is not everything will stream. You'll search everything that's available easily, probably pay a fee for it, but anything that they don't want shown will just get lost. Well, there's also a big thing with the uh, stream wars coming up. Network television is definitely fading away, and then all everybody wants to start their own stupid streaming thing, and they want you to pay a couple bucks for it, so it's just kind of uh, ridiculous at this point, you know? Like, how many things do you think people are going to subscribe that are, like, a niche kind of thing? It's like they may want to see one thing and one thing, but they're not going to give you another six, seven bucks because they're already doing it in three other places. So the whole thing is just getting ridiculous, and some sort of entertainment solution is going to have to come about, but I'm not, uh, I'm not here to tell people what, what that is because entertainment is not the most important thing. No, for me, it, it ranks very low. As a matter of fact, entertainment has become a tool for my work is how I basically view it now. Um, and much entertainment that I might have at one time found entertaining is it's not just not entertaining for me anymore because I've seen through the veil a little bit, but I was I don't pay attention to the chat very well, Jason. I was trying to see if anyone made comments on 101 Dalmatians, like if anyone's seen it. I mean, I'm asking, any did anyone see 101 Dalmatians in a movie theater from, say, the late 70s forward, um, has anyone bought the DVD? And if, if so, do they have any reason to believe that it was edited out? Um, as I pointed out, I think it must have been a drive-in that we went to. Um, uh, something about killing the dogs or what they were going to do with the dogs is what bothered me as a child. I don't remember exactly what, um, but that would be an interesting example because that's Disney. Um, and Disney puts a lot of stuff hidden in its movies. The problem with 101 Dalmatians is, um, if I remember correctly, there there were reasons they might want to hide those ideas now. I'm not sure, um, but I haven't seen it in all these years, and I think that's kind of a tell, if I'm right. Hey, Disney's, uh, for all their touting of how they're for kids and all that kind of stuff, are freaking brutal, man. I mean, they, they blow people, and maybe they don't show it on screen, but like, blowing Bambi's mother away and things like that and making it all dramatic and everyone's scared. Like, you think that doesn't affect kids? They're, they're about as well, manipulative I, as they come. Th those people are bastards. That's that's a good point, what happens to Bambi's mother. That's, that's a thing that could not be done now, what they did with Bambi. But I see people saying they've seen it, and I'm not talking... I'm talking about the 101 Dalmatians from, I believe, the late 60s. And I'm guessing here, someone actually just put the IMDb. The original... 101 Dalmatians animation, not the later remakes. Um, well, or there's, they've been the, doing live actions with a lot of their stuff over the past 10 years. Right, and to me it's been covering. Um, and there's other there's other films too. Like one film that struck me as a child was Thomasina. I don't know why, but I never forgot that movie Thomasina. I think that's Disney, I'm not sure. Um, but there's another one uh, that is rarely trotted out. And the whole idea there, if I remember correctly is reincarnation being associated with the tale there. Um, but there's these ideas which were just so casually normal, mainstream, fair back in the 60s and 70s are completely off the table now. Um, that's another one I can think of. 
I, I don't know. I think Disney has been manipulated. You know, I don't think I've, I've even seen the original Snow White. Is there anything brutal in Snow White since that was the first one in 39 or whatever it was? Um. Well, no, not per se, except the witch is probably pretty creepy for young children. But, you know, that's that's one of the things. We know what Snow White is because we did the research on it. Right. And the claim is is that everyone was telling Walt, you're out of your damn mind. No one's going to pay for two hours of cartoon. Right. Um, and he did it anyhow. And then when the animation costs started to skyrocket because everything was hand-drawn, they were saying, you've lost your damn mind. But we got a view into the Imagineers, is what they call their video engineers and other people, um, their tales that they told. And basically it is claimed that Walt Disney set the benchmark that we've put all this money into this that's going to make us or break us and the measure is this if we show this in a theater and people cry we're good to go we're golden and that's the measure and they did they got people to cry for a cartoon which was never possible even the idea of it was childlike before then um and you know for my part i can't unremember all the research we've done when when i see things like this the nostalgia has been diminished um because of what I know about it. The original 101 Dalmatians is 1961, by the way. I just looked that up to be certain about that. So you're talking about coming out of the 50s, this movie's being made. So you're talking the cream of Americana, everything's chill, families are strong, all of that. So that's that's when this movie's coming out. Right, there's someone writing The Aristocrats. It's in a similar idea. So the movie was released right before I was born, but the thing Disney used to do is when they had a movie like 101 Dalmatians or The Jungle Book, they would release it every set certain amount of years back to the screen to try to catch the end of a generation they'd already got or a new generation. So it goes to show you, I think, if I remember correctly, I read this at one point, it was either six or seven years was their cycle. Um, but you can even tell by the title, right? It might as well be 11 Dalmatians. You, know, you can tell what's going on there. Right. And, of course, they did the live-action remake um, but, I, you know, I might take time at some point to try to watch that again because I vividly remember as a child, and I always loved animals, that it disturbed me that people would ever... I remember the first time my father told me that people drowned puppies, and I I was horrified. I was like, "What? what is this place, the world we're living in? You're telling me there's people that would drown a puppy in this world. How is yep. that even possible? Yep. I remember watching my first wildlife things where they sho showed a lion taking down a wildebeest and I was horrified. I was thinking what is this place man? Where the hell are we stuck? Um, but anyhow. It's brutal. We live in a yeah, brutal place. My, my point here is, is in the early 60s you got these real gritty mainstream movies but even the animation um, what happens to Bambi's mother that was just you know grow up here's what it is. This happens in the world and now since we've been so kind of infantile down um, those things seem to be off the table. Well, you were mentioning about Snow White, and I wanted to make a point that I kind of forgot about for a moment, and that's to think about what cartoons were before then. They were just kind of ridiculous little things that were used as intros to real motion pictures to make people laugh for about five to ten minutes. They were ridiculous. They weren't anything to be taken seriously. I mean, think about, uh, was it Steam, Steamboat Willie, I think, is the first one? If you watch that original Mickey Mouse cartoon, it's just... It's just kind of silly, and the animation is so-so, obviously. But the whole Snow White concept absolutely changed the entire ballpark of what's going on and how you can play that game. 
Well, it's claimed that the box office at that totally turned everything around. And yeah, it opened other markets, but you got a good point. I can remember vividly, we used to go to the drive-in movies and there were two or three cartoons in the beginning. Quite often it was something like Chili Willy, uh, The Little Penguin or something like that. Um, And these were the cartoon fair. But back in those days, there was a special TV time for all children and that was Saturday morning. Saturday morning had a lineup of cartoons. It was a big deal for children. You see... It was only a couple hours, you know, by, by the time you're getting anywhere near lunchtime, that's all over and done with. There might have still been young programming going on, but for the most part, people had seen the road runner or whatever they're, they're stopping in the banana splits or like another big one was Johnny quest where the animation wasn't great, but it had the illusion of being more expansive. Like as a kid, you were thinking, Oh, this is grown up cartoons. These <laughs> guys are going on adventures you know, and, and look, this dude's from another country that they're hanging with. Um, and look at all this science and everything that's going on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a different world now. It's, it's hard to imagine. You see, this is the thing about the older generation, what we can remember. Because entertainment was allowed to infringe on a child's mind one day a week, Saturday morning, for a couple, two, three hours. And though it went a little further on, there was no way in hell your parents were letting you get up at seven and sit in front of the TV till noon. There, I, I don't, I don't care how bad your parenting was. That was not going on back in the day. Old Yeller. I see people talking about that one. That was another absolutely brutal one. I saw it once, never wanted to uh, see it again. Good, good point. See, that's exactly from a similar time. If I had to guess, what's that, late 60s, early 70s, Old Yeller? I'm yep. guessing. Yep, because I saw um, it way back when when I was real little. I can't believe my, my mother would even let me watch such a thing. Like, come on, the dog gets rabid and they blow him away. How do you think this is okay to show to a child after you love this dog? It's just, that's, that is, uh, what do you call it, Tra- traumatic um, mind control. Hold on for a second. Hey, honey. Uh, the dog. I mean, think about that. Think about what it is that they're. they're <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking back to that movie. They build up the whole damn thing with you loving this dog. Everything about him is wonderful and all that, and then in the end, he gets rabies and they have to blow his head off. Come on. Yeah, it's anyway. crazy, but you see, that's the difference between life is cruel. This is matter of fact. We're doing this. Um, as they begin to infantize people's minds down, uh, things like that were no longer, it's like you're not old enough to see these ideas, and that's kind of a wrong way of going at it, because it sounds like I'm defending the ideas that these things are okay, but it's not that at all. It's just that it was a more adult mindset was assumed back in the day. Um, you can look at how they dealt with hunting, or you don't want to know another thing, go look at the old nature movies from the early 60s, where it's perfectly fine to kill a shark or Jacques Cousteau whacking a shark. You know, supposedly I'm the science guy that loves fish and they're out killing these things. But back in the day, that mindset was wholly different than it is today. And by the way, while we're on the thing of animals, that's one thing that's changing now. They're doing the slow creep to animals are so put upon and important uh, that human beings are going to be less valuable than an animal. That's where this is headed. And that's a tough thing to talk about because I love animals and I do value animals, but you can see where this is going. You can see that if this goes the way they want it to, there will be a time when there will be absolutely no hunting or fishing, uh, no going into certain areas that are protected uh, under the guise of protecting the animals, which actually what's going on is the control of human beings. 
and you can see the tea up. And by the way, this is what's happened across Africa in a big, big way. I was just listening to a thing on, on Bill Gates and how they're building up to get everybody vaccinated. Man, they, they're not backing down with this stuff, folks. Uh, make sure you understand what they're going to do when they start pushing this. And I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm singing to the choir here, but no one else in your family or your friends are going to get it. Like, they need to understand when happy, smiling old Bill Gates comes around, uh, yeah, you don't want that needle in your arm. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, having touched base with the younger generation today and seeing where they're at, um, they're not buying this nonsense and they're talking about open the heck up and quit playing this ridiculous game. They're they're not buying, basically. So it will be interesting to see where we go from here. Um, as well, we I should talk about out, that more. Let's 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 go well, into like what reaction did you get from talking to twenty somethings compared to you're thirty years older than them or not thirty? Well, yeah, I guess about thirty years older, right? Basically, that they're not buying. Um, basically, that this has gone beyond ridiculousness. And that it's hard to wrap your mind around um, that we're calling new nor saying things like new normal now. Um, when just a few weeks ago, what what was considered normal, which by the way wasn't, and that's you know that's why people our age are so important, because the perception kind of is that 10, 11 weeks ago uh, was normal, but really that wasn't normal either. And we know better, and we can point out why it's not normal. Um, but as a whole, what I would say is there, you know, I even used the word beer bug and they didn't miss a beat. And as a matter of fact, uh, the host of the show was very actually said sky clock, I think, or I think Rose was watching. He said a few things that let me know he'd been watching the content. Um, I recognized it immediately. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And he kept asking me, do you think there's hope? And I reminded him of the Greek myth of Pandora. You know, she lets all the terrible things out in the world, but what's left in that box is hope. And I pointed out that all the other side, if I was them, I'd be scared to death. See, everyone on the norm, you know, the society side is afraid, but for the wrong reasons. Um, on their side, they have a legitimate reason to be afraid because this is a house of cards they've built. The first stiff breeze that comes along, they're in big trouble. Because everything is built on lie after lie after falsehood after provable lie. Um, and when it's it's like the story of the Greek gods, right? What does Zeus always say? Hey, you know, those humans we're in charge of, when they quit believing in us, we disappear overnight. It's that. And so when all the human beings that have been scared into submission quit being scared into submission, they truly do have a thing to fear. Part of the problem here is the overarching control of systems. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think it, it feels backwards to me because so many people in our society feel afraid that a takeover is coming that can't be stopped. And I think it's backwards. Um, you haven't done anything wrong. You might have been asleep at the switch. You might not have been doing all the things you could have done. But the point is, is the people pushing the other side of this, they've done things wrong. They've lied for generations, for decades, for for damn millennium, maybe. Um, and so that's a house of cards. And there is truly, if I was on that side, I would be truly concerned that that house of cards will not withstand what comes next. But it's hard to know. You know, one of the big things I've been thinking about, again, looking into Bill Gates some more, when this whole nonsense started, and I was listening to some folks talk about everything going on in China, 
it occurred to me that I think the anti-vax movement must have been winning. Like, they must have really been getting some serious traction for them to go on the attack like this, because... I'm still just not seeing. I'm sure that people are getting sick. I'm, I'm sure that's happening. I always like to make that statement, just in case anybody happens to know somebody who's got this nonsense. I personally don't. I've only got second and third hand information from somebody who's got something that resembles the beer bug. I've, I've known, I know of no one who's been horribly ill. I certainly don't know of anyone who has passed away. And I think this is all going to be to try and take back the ground that they were losing because even some Hollywood dipshits were getting on board with that saying, no, no, no. I have a slightly different point of view. Viruses don't make you sick. And I think that's provable. But we're even seeing on the news here, oh, look at the miracle old people in the old folks home who had this nonsense. And look, they recovered. Well, that doesn't seem like a strong enough reason to shut the world down. You no, just showed me people in their 80s recovering. Um, what's actually happened is every year people get colds and flus. Guess what happened this year? Some people got colds and flus. But as we learned with Rocky and in other places, the only difference is what get, get, gets written on their cause of death. And by the way, think about this. If someone dies just in the normal course of things three years ago before all this nonsense was front and center, um, they always get autopsied. Why is that? Why do they need to autopsy every death? There, I've even seen cases where people say, this is my loved one, don't cut them up, and they end up having to fight to not get the autopsy. Um, now it's starting to make better sense in hindsight, isn't it? Why they're so interested in all this. Um, it's because they got to own all these things for these kinds of plans to go through. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to tell more lies because the death rate didn't go anywhere. They just reattributed why people are dying to what they want people to think is going on. Um, but I do not accept and I will not accept that viruses have ever made anyone sick. Um, I've looked at the evidence and it's solid. And by the way, we had three separate, very well-trained medical people say just that. Um, and, the, and things they said ended up backing up research that I had come to where I was been into question. By the time we got to Dr. Lena, it was like, hell yeah, man, this is absolutely all electric. Everything's electric. It's almost getting to the point where you could start to say everything's either magnetic or electric or combination of the two. And that includes us, by the way. Well, all I know is I hardly ever get sick. And if I do, if I take some vitamin C or just do something like that, usually my body kicks it right back out. So while I can't prove with any kind of super powerful microscope whether a virus did that or not, I doubt it did. It shows that if you just take care of yourself, you'll be okay. Right. Um, that's absolutely true. And that's part of the, you know, the, the contagion in this world. The only contagion is fear. Um, and as I mentioned earlier today, uh, that not-so-great movie, Green Lantern, tells you the truth. The old ancient masters which watch the universe, what's the one force they will not get involved with because it can't be controlled? Fear. Right? <laughs> it's the yellow. They won't go near that fear. But the one dude who says, hey, man, we're in dire straits. I'm going to go master the fear. First, one of the ancient dudes goes for it and becomes a monster. Then another dude says, we need this to fight the monster. And he gets sucked in. They're all pre-echoing what's known. The power of fear is insane. And this shows what's happened to human beings since the 1800s. In the 1800s, it would have took so much more to take an adult human being and put them in a state of fear. But now it's not that difficult. You just turn on the TV and there's your contagion right there. There is the cause of all of this. 
we might as well just go out in the streets and start painting things yellow and, and mimicking Green Lantern. <laughs> the only contagion is fear. You know, I really should get around to making a T-shirt that says that. Would anybody want that? It, it's true. It's provably true. When I was young, the enemy was Russia. The Cold War was the enemy. You better be afraid. The Russians might nuke us. You better be afraid. There could be a war. You better be afraid. You could get killed. Then it became, oh, the West Nile. Oh, the Ebola. Oh, you know, you can die. You can die. You can die. And this song has been sung my entire life. But you see, the only thing that changed was the melody of the song. The cause and the reason for the song has remained static the whole time. And that's fear. So if you've got to make up a contagion of that power, what's it tell you about the actual contagion they're claiming? Just saying. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe we can just ask the chat room if anybody knows anybody who's passed away from this, but it's it's not even going to be accurate how, if they how say would yes. You, how would you even yeah, how, how would, would you know? know? Because they're putting it all down, down no matter what. I mean, they could... They, they could have hacked their hand off with a, with a power tool and bled to death, and they'd be like, died of the corona. You know, since this has started, I have changed not one thing about my life. And since, I don't know, a couple years ago, when I became aware that washing my hands and not touching sick people was not going to be the reason I got sick, um, I haven't been sick since. And when I started to consider the idea of electromagnetic vampirism, um, it started to ring true on a level for me that can't be described to others. It's just a sense of knowing you start to come by. Um, and it's a different world for me now um, because all fear, that those minor fears which still lingered, have completely fallen away from me. I have no fear of picking up some invisible thing that's going to drop me dead. And on top of that, I have no fear of death anymore um, because I've come to realize that that's it's what we do here. That is the, the seminal benchmark of life here in this place, death. We're all doing it. doesn't matter if you're a bug, a flower, or anything else. We're going through that door. Um, so even even if there was some way that you could touch an invisible thing and drop, uh, what's the big deal? You're doing what every other thing ever has done. And when you shed that level of fear, there's a whole – it's like when you go outside, the day is a little more beautiful. I don't know how to describe it. It's like things become more high definition – and that's not even right – more colorful. I don't know. It's just everything becomes a little bit better, a little bit brighter. Um, and that's what happens when when you get out from under these kind of spells, which is basically what what they are. They're spells. They entrap your mind. Well, I've literally felt no different other than the fact I couldn't go to some of the places I normally would with Rose to uh, to chill and do some work. I have a thing with coffee shops. In case anybody doesn't know, I like going there and sitting there with my laptop for a few hours. Rose does her thing. I do some research and usually write a whole bunch of the episodes. I've been annoyed that that's been taken away from me. But as far as anything else, I haven't changed a damn thing. I, I don't own a mask. I've certainly never worn one. And the only place that demanded I wear one, I wouldn't even walk even close to the door. I saw the sign, turned, looked at the person at the door, turned around, walked away. Yeah, it's crazy. For the most part, we have, we're in a small state, though, so it's a bit different. It's pretty clear population drove the narrative here. But uh, the other day, we were in a local shop. Um, I was talking with the people and the guy who owned it came mad. You could see the anger in his face holding a mask um, out to me. And I said, really, you're the first person that's asked me to do this. Um, there were some young women running the counter back there. So I opted to just let it go because um, I thought it was the appropriate thing to do. But you could, the, the look on his face was, 
it's like the Stockholm syndrome in a way. It's like almost an addiction to the need for the negative archetype. Um, like they'll defend it to death. Like they're so invested in it. Um, but you could see the anger and it was like, damn. And I wasn't upset. I, I felt bad. I felt bad thinking that a mind was that trapped, um, that, that a lie was driving everything they perceived about what's going on. Well, I, I mean, if somebody asked me that, I would have just given them my, my cart and walked away and be like, okay, well, you don't need my money then. Well, the problem is it's a local shop, and it's one of the things we're trying to keep alive, and they have had their doors open. Um, so I just opted, you know, if there's another occasion, um, and there are not young women behind the bar whose boss I would be talking to, um, I might opt to handle it a little differently. Um, but under the circumstances, it just seemed best to not make things worse. And I think that's important. Um, one thing I try to do is I always try to spin the table around. So I try to perceive what's that point of view? Um, what's causing all this? And it's a helpful thing to try to do. Um, and so I, I did what I thought was best for the time uh, to not add to the, the unfortunate circumstance. Um, because it is. It's a very unfortunate circumstance. Well, it certainly is. Rose just said there's an article about them putting mannequins at tables and restaurants so people don't feel socially distanced. That is ridiculous. I mean, th that's Looney Tunes. Uh, isn't that poking you in the eye with the dummy idea? <laughs> isn't that really what's it? It reminds me of that false flag at LAX, right? <laughs> they, they threw it on the evening news and they showed them carting dummies around and thought they could get away with it because it was shot from a helicopter, but the helicopter was too close. Uh, <laughs> stuff's so ridiculous. I, uh, man, I... When do we get to talk how about, about something JFK? else? How about the how about the Zapruder phone? Freaking dummy in that too. Uh, that is the ultimate insult when when the human mind is fooled by a dummy because you know damn well the people who did it are just crying hysterically on the floor. You know who's the dummy here? The dummy in the car or the person falling for it? Well, I guess that's a fair statement. Uh, since we're running out of time. Uh, what would you say the uh, the younger generation's differences are between I'm in my 40s, you're in your 50s. What do you think was different about them and what do you think was the same since I haven't done an interaction like this? Well, it's, it's like night and day in some ways because it all comes down to screen time for this generation. Uh, the phone is the anchor of existence. And it goes beyond addiction because I can remember back to my days when I was going to hang out with my crowd and run with my friends and we had a band or we were going to party or we were doing whatever. But the difference is we had agreed meeting places and occasionally the phone would come into it, but not really that often. It was an, like an unspoken social agreement that we knew where to meet and what things we were going to do. What's happened now is these tracking devices and these data collection devices we call cell phones um, that has become the bedrock instantly always connected to all your crew always being able to say oh they just walked into cheesecake factory and they're eating cherry pie <laughs> and they didn't have a frame of reference to know how diabolical that system actually is and that's where we have a lot to offer and while I don't think we could march in and say hey young person this is diabolical I do think that we can begin to point out why that system came to be and how it is integral to the takeover that we're seeing take place and I, I said on the air um, with the young folk today that if the cell phones evaporated overnight this plan would 
crumble to the floor. And he was already aware of social ratings, by the way, hmm. knowing that, that, that that's a threat on the horizon. So I made the point to say, without cell phones, that don't work, right? There's the big difference, screen time. And the big difference, to be blatant about it, is the difference between living in an actual world and knowing you're in nature or knowing you're in your surroundings or being stuck in a screen and not really having much wherewithal to recognize what's going on around you. Because what you're concerned with is happening in the screen. What's my friend doing? Where's every one meeting? What's our next thing we're doing? And, you know, you, you can't act like you weren't young, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Whether it was in the 70s and you were trying to figure out when are we meeting at the rink or going to the movie or sneaking off to party when our parents don't know. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So where would we have all been had the phone been here and we didn't know any better? I suggest we'd probably be in a pretty similar place. Well, the one thing I've noticed, because I watch a lot of older stuff or things about older things, like I'm very fond of the 60s. Mostly the 60s, sometimes the 70s, but I, I like that era a lot. I like the music and I like the vibe and all that, even though I know it's quite contrived and something I didn't know, obviously, years before. But I still like it. I still like a lot of the music. And the one thing I can I can see is that teenagers and 20s, that kind of age group, they're really not all that different no matter the decade. It's still a very similar mentality while you're at at that age, at least as far as Western culture is concerned. The big difference I, I, is the technology and the way you would interact with your peer groups. I, I would add this, Jason. Back in the late 60s, early 70s, a child or a young person was expected to take on adult duties much more quickly. And the duties that they were doing, they, they were expected to be trustable. Like if you're going to do this thing that's kind of a little above your pay grade, your age grade, you're going to pull this off because we know you can do it and it's expected. And so the idea of reaching that age where you could venture out, say, in a boat or go into the woods by yourself, that the threshold for that was way, way younger. In short, the, the, the children in my day, um, when we were 12, we were playing lifeguard out on open water for boat regattas. We were taking vessels to the open ocean, 12, 13, being gone all day. And the, the adults expecting that that's no big deal. These, these kids know what they're doing. Um, and that wasn't all of us, but it was most of us. And the ones that lagged behind because they had the kind of helicopter parents, it was mostly because they were girls um, and didn't want them hanging with the boys, which was probably a good idea. Um, but the point I would make is the children were growing up and they were expected to handle more adult duties much sooner, much more quickly. By the time you're 18, uh, it's not the free ride. By the time you're 16 and driving, that, that's another thing. When I was young and you got to be 15 and a half, driver's ed was in school and that was going to everybody. It didn't matter who the hell you were. If you were 15 and a half, you were doing driver's ed in school. Look how that shifted away. Look to how many young people now have to go hire the driver's ed thing independent of school, and they might not even really drive a car until 18. And all of this has been pushing the need for young people to grow up. Look look at your diaper commercials is another thing. Hmm. When, when I was young, the idea of getting a, a child potty trained and out of diapers, that was paramount. Quick as you can do it. Now it's like, oh, we got Huggies pull-ups. Then by the time they're 11, we got these super-duper Huggies for big kids pull-up. You know, just everything to kind of infantile the mind and not get it to grow up as quickly as it used to. That's my observation. I did things at 12 that young people in their upper teens are not doing. 
Well, let's talk about that for a moment because what you're really pointing out is that the family units in general are very, very different. There was a sense of responsibility and things like that, like children were given chores and they would be taught things a lot younger, especially since right. uh, the the, fa- the father figure would probably be teaching them things that, you know, unfortunately, that's that especially starting in the 70s, that really started to go away more and more. Well, there's another part of it, too. Here where I'm living in the neighborhood where I'm living, um, almost every household had at least three children. Um, there was one that had a single child. There was another one that had, I think, nine by the time all was said and done. Um, there was another that had five. Everyone had children ranging from, I don't know, maybe there was an eight to 12-year spread between the oldest of the children and the youngest of the children. But that, too, is is a marked difference because all these families had all these children, which brought everyone together, which we would go to the beach and we'd have regattas with boats. If people didn't have boats, those who did would share the boats. My father personally taught, and I didn't learn this till a year ago, um, we went to go see a film that was made about this area by one of the people who used to summer here. Um, and like three of the young ladies that, that were children here when I was growing up said, your dad taught me how to sail. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize that, that my father had had such an impact. All these people were coming up telling me your father, and he did the same things for me. When I was 10, he started saying, okay, you want to be around the water? You got to learn how to tie the knots. You got to be able to tie up the boat. You got to know port and starboard. You got to be able to read a basic chart. You've got to know where the channel is. You've got to understand all the waterways. And I can still remember to this day, the final test was I had to tie three knots. Um, that was the last test he gave me before he said, okay, there's the keys to the Boston Whaler. And we would go out and go about five, I don't know, maybe seven miles to open ocean. And we'd screw around and fish and do everything young, young boys want to do all day long. And it was always expected that we would look out for each other and be fine. And by the way, there were a number of occasions where probably one of us literally saved the life of one of the other young people there. But that too increases the ability of a child when there ain't no damn adult here that's helping you gotta pony up here and do what needs doing um and that too contributes to the wherewithal of a young mind instead of you know you can't do this stay home don't go out you're going to get snatched and all the nonsense we put up with now which is basically driven by the only contagion called fear Right, and that, and that's just it. And even the kids back then would have done a lot more stuff. Didn't you used to tell me stories about how you'd be 12 years old and you'd be out in a boat and you're hungry, so you had to go fishing to eat for the day and that kind of thing, and you'd be by yourself for hours we, and hours? We built, we built an A-frame fort. We floated it down one of the waterways, pulled it up on the beach, <laughs> built a stone wall around it, and we didn't go home for a month. Every morning we went out, we would dive for quahogs or fish or go catch lobsters in the night with flashlights and easily fed ourselves. Plus, we went into the cornfields, grabbed corn if we needed it. Um, there were berries, blueberries, wine berries, all kinds of things. In other words, it was so simply easy. We never worked more than a few minutes to get food to feed ourselves. And then we made a fire on the beach and we cooked the things that needed cooking and we fed ourselves. There was literally whole months when I never went home once. First of all, my parents were okay with it, and they would occasionally maybe come to check, uh, look to make sure the children were on the beach, and half the time, they'd come down and the boat was gone, so it meant we were (laughs) out on the boat somewhere. Yeah, It's a a far cry, and that gives a young mind ability. 
You find out where the limits are. You find out what it means when you push it too far and it gets dangerous. And that used to be commonplace in the generations before the 70s. And that's pretty much been lost a lot. There, there may be farming families that would say different in the middle of the country. But I think for most people, that's far away from how a child grows up in this country now. Right. And we're also talking about an era where there wasn't uh, sanitary, um, what do you call that? The, the sanitation stuff and everywhere you go and squirt your hands and all that. That stuff just didn't, no one gave a crap. Go wash your hands after the bathroom and go eat your dinner. That was it. No, it was because there was not fear. It was not a fear driven society. That is the main thing. Um, and not, it's, it's hard to describe to people who, who don't know this time, the freedoms, the kind of I can do anything attitude, um, these things are all diminished, have been diminishing right along. And I mark the big start of that. Well, there's a few big markers as a society, as all of America, JFK being the starting point where it comes in the open. But the 80s is really where there, that was the point of no return. They were going to put on a party in the 80s that we were never going to recover from. And we haven't recovered from yet. Yeah, I remember those days, but uh, we're pretty much at the end here. Should we take a moment to talk about what's coming up on the show? Yeah, um, we're going to have, you guys remember Alphonse? Um, He's going to come back on and we're going to do some no-nonsense talking about the Constitution and the founding documents. Um, He's one of the people who came and offered up actually some verifiable information. Part of the problem when we did the law series is people who think they know everything want to fight. So one person who says you do it this way wanted to come belittle with the next person. I mean, that was the main problem. We did three or four in the law series, and that became the problem, is getting the experts to just mellow the hell out and let people lay down what they would. Because at the end of the day, if it works, it works. There's no argument needed. <laughs> if this if this thing you're laying down on the table can be demonstrated to work, that's all you need to know. And some of the things Alphonse laid down, I think, are pretty much demonstrated to work. So we're going to go down this road, but also, and this one's going to, I don't know how people are going to receive our next episode, Jason. We're going out (laughs) looking for constitutional experts, and we find these guys in Australia, of all places. And they are American constitutional experts, and I'm not even kidding. Sounds like they're having a beer on the porch when they say, (laughs) oh yeah, you're talking about Article 2, Verse 3, Page, you know. They know what they're talking about. Turns out, as I didn't know, Australia's constitution was drawn off the American constitution. And these guys are out doing it. And maybe that they're about to remove some of the most powerful political figures, basically understanding how the law works. And by the way... These dudes can nail it to the Vatican all day long. So these are a couple of the episodes, and I know damn well no one else has run the content we're about to run, wouldn't you say? No, oh, God, no. No, this is definitely going to be its own thing. We're really cracking into this law thing a whole lot, and we're not stopping until we get it figured out. Not to mention the fact that we're really going after just everything, the the, the control system that is the Vatican. Rome is really where all the roads do lead to and from. They're holding our paper. They're holding everyone's paper in that damn chat. Uh, thank you, Matt. Matthew Ross. Go ahead and read that one out, Jason. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, I grew up with PlayStations. I knew it was fantasy. So when I was listening to your NASA and Nuke episodes, it wasn't hard to accept everything was fantasy. Young minds might accept their reality. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Truman Show, Christoph says one of those true things that's just like undeniably true. Human beings accept the reality they're presented with. 
his whole narrative is, is I can screw with Truman his whole life because that thing is true. And for the most part, it is. But I suspect we're going to see Kristoff's little statement tested here in our time. Um, you've got to imagine, like, when you hear these two guys from Australia going into the court system to bring back the rights that have always existed there and force the system that's lying to face the lights, all hell ensues for those systems. You've got to imagine there are people all over the United States that must be pushing on these doors. It's just that we're never going to hear about them because if they go on YouTube and it trends, they get removed. The nightly news is never going to show it. The 24-7 news. So what they do is they control the information to make you feel hopeless. But I'm not hopeless. There have to be thousands of people who have had it up to their eyeballs. And when we run the two guys in Australia, you'll be saying, right on, man, lock and load. Absolutely. So that's what's coming up Thursday, episode 221. And that's just going to about do it for us. Any last words? No, I think I'm ready to do it. You ready to do it? All right, let's sign off. Take care, everybody. Thank you to all you awesome people who came out. Sorry about the technical difficulties at the beginning. Hopefully we won't have much of that. All right, there it is, man. Cheers. Episode 17, Crow live stream. Hope to catch you all on, where are we, Jason? Thursday. That's going to be a hell of an episode. They're a little bit laid back in their delivery, but if people can just mellow out and listen to what's being said, it's kind of stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone's asking us doing a, an episode on fake nukes. We did that. That was one of our, our biggest shows ever. Uh, Rose, would you want to throw out the uh, episode number in the chat room there for everybody? Fakey fake, fake. Fake, fake. Here we go. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Belief is the enemy, the enemy of knowing. Come.